I got to know about the hat. <laughs> I, I like hats. I'm, I'm from New York City. And the only frustrating part is when I go home, I look like a tourist, even though I want to stop people and say, I'm from here. I yeah. grew up in the city. But I, I love hats. I've, I've always worn them. I have a, I'm, I'm a classic movie buff, and this was the hat Clint Eastwood wore in one of his movies in the late 60s. It wasn't even a really great movie, but I, I just, yeah. and I think I, I wear them so much that, you know, in the work I do as a trainer and consultant and speaker, it's almost kind of like my trademark, so. I, I kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah, so they was, remember my name to say the guy, the guy in the hat, the cowboy yeah. hat. And tell me how you got into classic cars. Boy, oh boy, I, I'm less into classic cars, and I'm, I think I was born in the wrong decade. Yeah. I'm, I'm old school. I, you know, I was taking girls out in the '90s and playing Spinner's music and Johnny Cash and The Temptations, and so I'm more nostalgic than I am a classic car buff. Right. I know enough to keep the thing running, but those cars, when I get into it, it, it they they take me back to my dad and my uncles. Yeah. And I just love those '70s era long, big old pinmobiles. Just oh man, my, I just, I love the smell of gasoline. It's all it, the things. It smells different <laughs> it when, when it burns you right. Pull right. Because of, you pull up next to a Prius and they just look at you. And I just, right, yeah. So I, I, I think I enjoy how I feel in them. Uh, I go to car shows just to chat up, chat it up with guys. And, you know, they're super into the type of engine and the pistons. And I don't know that much. I just, it's my meditation. I, like, I like driving them. I'll go run errands for no reason. Just to be in the car. Yeah, well, I've seen you. It's a there's a '72 Riviera that's yes. yellow, and then the the Oldsmobile. What Oldsmobile is Delta '88 Royale. It's a '75, a, con- a convertible. I've always loved convertibles. So. Yeah. My dad drove Oldsmobiles. I call it the uh, working man's Cadillac. That's right. Yeah. My uncles drove Oldsmobiles. So my dad always drove Oldsmobiles. I just feel, After I just feel nostalgic. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just feel nostalgic when I'm in them. Welcome to Connections. I'm Glenn Gould, and this is our series where we have the opportunity to talk with people that we've met along the way, influencers, leaders, community influencers, and uh, people we just find very interesting. And today, I think we've got all of that uh, with Ken Williams. Ken, thanks so much for coming in today. If you would, tell everybody a little bit about Unfold the Soul and your speaking and training and kind of what you do uh, to help people and, and make a difference in the community. That's great. Thank you. My name is Ken Williams, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. I'm originally from New York City. I live here in Coweta County. Um, I'm an educator. I'm a former classroom teacher, assistant principal, and school principal. And today, I work, for the last 13 years, I've worked as a consultant, trainer, speaker, and coach. I, I love the work. I, I, I taught I led, and now I consult with the, the mindset of a coach, and I just believe in the infinite power of people leaning into the collective expertise. So with all of the challenges that teachers and leaders face these days in schools, with all the adversity kids come to school with, it still comes down to the talent in the room, leaning right. into each other, um, seeing those challenges as context, and leveraging their strengths to deliver on that promise of equity and excellence for kids. So what I do primarily, my, my passion zone, my lane is, is organizational culture. Like that, I, I try to accelerate culture and sometimes you have to disrupt the status quo to do that. But it's always in the service of helping adults realize that when breakthroughs happen, it's because of something they did. It's not because the community changed or the demographic changed or all of a sudden everyone's income increased it's because we got together and realized that you got strengths, he's got strengths, I got strengths, and we need to leverage those 
and we could make a difference for kids. I have a handful of teachers who did that for me in my life, and I just pay it forward. Yeah. I just see it as paying it forward. Well, that's awesome. And tell me how you, you know, because you, you were an educator, you were a principal in Clayton County. Yes. I, yeah, right? And, um, and then you made the shift, and I, I guess part of that was um, you wanted to make a, a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. I mean, obviously, wherever you are, you can make a big impact. But if you can spread yourself out, you can, and then plant the seeds of other people and get them fired up. Tell me a little bit about how you made that shift. That's that, that's pretty much what it was about. I I feel pretty fortunate in life. I've never left a job. I've never left a job unhappy. I just move on to my next ambition. My wife Nicole will tell you that I have restless spirit, so I'm always trying to tinker. And you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Right. I've, I've always had that yearning to, you know, chart my own course, and I don't know. I pay myself better than employers pay me. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I've I've always been somewhat of a risk taker. I, I get that from my dad, and so that's exactly what happened. I when I moved from being a teacher to a principal, it was to broaden my impact. As a teacher, I had twenty five kids. As a principal, I got twenty five teachers who lead twenty five kids, and if I can inspire and provide the resources to those teachers. More kids are going to learn more. And then I, I sat in an audience one day at a meeting I didn't want to go to, and I heard this guy speaking. His name is Dr. Rick DeFore. And in the education world, he's, he's a god. God rest his soul. He passed away a few years ago. But when he was done, I just, I not only enjoyed the content, but I said to myself, wow, that guy gets to stand up there, and he's got a good wry sense of humor, and he gets to influence and I loved it. And I walked up to him and I said, you know, this stuff is great. And I said, one day you're going to be in two places at once. When that day comes, I'm going to be right there. Yeah. And he laughed and shook my hand and invited me to stay in touch. And I did. And so he served as a mentor for me for a decade. And what a blessing. Very blessed and fortunate. Yes, sir. Yeah, what a blessing. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's funny because you, you mentioned that. And um, uh, people who, who know me uh, know that I, I've got a little bit of speaking background and, and always wanted to do that. And I remember driving between Van Horn and, and, and Amarillo wow. on I, on I-10 <laughs> and hearing Earl Nightingale for the first Ooh, time and yes, the way sir. I felt. And I just said, you know what? That's what I want to, I want to make people feel the way I, I feel right now, the way he made me feel. No and question so, about it. The I voice can, of I God, yeah, Earl Nightingale. Yeah, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. So um, you mentioned you have a wife. Tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, we've got uh, my wife, Nicole, is a fifth grade teacher in Fayette County. Oh, my goodness. She's a okay. fantastic teacher over at Birch Elementary yeah. nearby. And we've got two kids. Two kids. Our son, Adam, is 22, and he is right now, he's traveled the world. He's a, he's a digital nomad, and I love wow. him. I love it most because he does it on his own dime. There you go. That I'm most proud of. There you go. And he right now is a server at the Beirut over in Peachtree oh, City. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a wonderful place. A very cool mom-and-pop restaurant yep. that seems to have found a way. They have this amazing following, this yes, little suburban restaurant that even through the pandemic stayed open and viable and profitable. And a lot of it's because, you know, the, 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 the front of the house manager, Hattie, just bends over backwards to make every customer feel like a valued client. So Yeah, we love that place. Our daughter Mia is 20, and she finished her first year at Georgia State. And then with the pandemic and everything, she's taken this year off, but she's just started her own cinnamon roll business. She's a vegan, and she bakes uh, cinnamon rolls. So. Oh, my goodness. Well, you got to put us in touch with that. Grant, I will absolutely Grant is a vegan. So, so Grant, there you go. You got a half dozen so coming I, your I, way, brother. He's not a vegan vegan. He's a vegetarian, but 
But he's working it. Listen, we wake up every day as vegans until we eat something. That's <laughs> all. I tell everybody, I, I'm a vegan until I have some Chick-fil-A. And there then you go. I'm not a vegan. Yeah. So that's what she's doing. She's got the entrepreneurial spirit. And this age is just different. It's yeah. just different. When I was her age, it was college or bust. Yeah. You know, because uh, I think opportunities were such that if you didn't go to college, you know, all the stats show that your income over your lifetime would be here instead exactly. of here. But, man, there's so much opportunity now that um, Nicole and I have had be able to take a step back and allow them to live their lives school will always be there and well that's great yeah but right now she's making it happen she's home baking right now so i want to go back to to the career path a little bit because you mentioned that you were a teacher and then you became a, a principal yes sir and i think i heard somewhere on either your website or your podcast can't remember which um that uh your mentor who challenged you when you became a principal gave you two empty um journals yes and challenged you to record what happened. Yes. And that has become the Plus His Heart <laughs> podcast. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and about that well, story. It's you know, it's it's one of those situations I, I kind of parallel it to what I try to do with, with educators, and that is, you know, when you become an influence in someone's life, you can give them a reputation to a poll. A question I ask them all the time is, I want you to close your eyes and think of someone in your life. Who thought more of you than you thought of yourself and my follow-up questions are what did they challenge you to do and who did they challenge you to become and i got a handful of those people and led young was one of those people i don't like to write it's, it's the yeah, bane of my existence that. but i love to speak yeah but she challenged me she gave me two blank thick journals and said that you know you already have three years of the principalship under your belt that was too overwhelming to journal but i'm going to challenge you to journal your journey and so because i couldn't let her down yeah you know, and that's what happens because I couldn't let her down. I journaled every day with no intention of ever publishing or sharing. And so the journals are very raw. They're very uncut. They're very transparent. It's got the good, the bad, and the ugly of my leadership. And 12 years later, I decided to turn it into a podcast because when I look back, leaders are dealing with the same issues, the same challenges. And it gives me a chance to give her hear a speaker and they just sound like they just completely have it all together. They got, right. they got an answer to oh, every question. Perfect, right. right, exactly. And, Perfectly rehearsed. And sometimes I know that that's a challenge when I'm doing the work. Yeah. I also know I didn't sound like that the first day I was doing it. I mean, I was, I was literally holding the book up. Okay, Rick says to do this. Step yeah. one. Do that. <laughs> Next, we need to develop norms. Do that, you know? And so the, the podcast gives me a chance to go back and be very transparent and vulnerable yeah. about you know, feeling good about good decisions I made. And then I've got a bunch of screw-ups in there, a sure. bunch of trial and error, a bunch of bad decisions. And I'm, I'm, it's my hope that, you know, other leaders and teacher leaders out there can, you know, see the good, the bad, and the ugly and know that there's, there's hope on the other side of that. Well, that's, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm not in the education uh, space, the, you know, the formal education space, and yet I really enjoy listening to Oh, it. thank and you, I good think, brother. I thank think you. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And, um, and it's, it's really interesting because, you know, we get to the point where um, when it comes to teachers and all of that, my, my kids were homeschooled, so mm -hmm. we're a little different. But, you know, once you've moved through the education system, you know, you're kind of done with it. And you forget that that's exactly where all of the, uh, the future leaders, that's where all of our future employees, that's where all of our, you know, some of our mentors will come from. That's right. And, um, and so the, there is a, a huge opportunity 
and and let's face it, um, it's it's underfunded, but it's over focused sometimes. Agreed. And so um, it's kind of like the football quarterback, right? You know, if any, if anything goes well, they're not going to tell the teacher they did, but if everything goes wrong, it's all the teacher's yeah, fault. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So that's pretty tough. But I heard one story that you shared um, where, um, and you don't need to go into it, but the the little story where uh, the the uh, kindergartner uh, who uh, decided he was going to bite you. Yes. <laughs> And, and you know, and and the way you handled that, I don't know that you could handle that. Oh, I can tell you right now, that story makes me feel like an old man because uh, I know I I couldn't get away with that. And and, and listen, it's it, not it, like you abused the kid. No, I didn't. I didn't. Just you couldn't. You couldn't I didn't hurt him. I just yeah. think I shocked him a little bit. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, we were having some challenges with kindergartners. You know, you know, leaving mommy and coming to school, and a lot of them were crying and. I don't know, my school just kind of got, got into this pattern where they're just calling parents to come pick the kids up, and I'm saying, no, they got to be here to learn, and we got to work through some of their initial grief, and they're going to be okay. But if I ask you to keep them in school, I will also serve as your first line of support. If the, if the, if the tantrum becomes a point where it's distracting in the classroom, you call me, and I'll come take care of it. Right. So I picked up the kindergartner, and he was 35 pounds of mad. <laughs> and, uh, Took him back to my office, and I'm an elementary principal. I'm, a, I'm kind of a big guy, <clears throat> you know. I don't say things twice too many times, and, but I'm a big bear. I'm a big, I'm a big teddy bear. Yeah. Well, I looked around, and and he's got the look in his eye like he's going to tear my office up, and I'm looking at him, and my mom's voice runs through my head, which is, uh, "You do that, it's going to be you and me." Yeah. And nobody else, and I'll go to jail for it. And I used to think to myself, "Is my mom really going to jail for that?" <laughs> And so I turned my face. back at some point. I had a palm pilot at the time. Alexander in the corner had like teeth marks in it. He started to bite it. And so he started to charge me and I just took him by his arms and I don't know, like a kettlebell, I just picked him up and then turned him to nine fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't squeeze hard or anything. I didn't yeah, have to. Just yeah. turn him to nine fifteen. And he was like, I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good. <laughs> and I promise you, for the rest of that year and the rest of the next year, anytime I walked by his class, he would jump up and hug me. Yeah. We were best friends after that. I don't recommend that to be the course of action. Please don't put me in your blog. I understand. <laughs> but I But back then it yeah, was a different you know, climate. Yeah. It's and listen, I'm I'm I am i am i do not I don't support corporal punishment in schools. Man, it's tough these days between the cameras and social media and everyone having a voice and digital beer muscles. It's tough because I led like a coach. I right. was hands-on, literally. And yeah. so I knew I had to have a relationship with the kid to put hands-on. But if I, if I grab the tough kid around the neck and walk him down the hall and I'm in his ear about what he can be, they, they, they came to look forward to that. Yeah. Now, if I don't know the kid, that can be construed as mistreatment. But I knew the kid. Right. And, and it was okay. And I didn't have to worry about someone filming me and then I'm and on YouTube and then context. it's out of context yeah. when that kid needs me to touch base with him. He needs me to know that not, I not only see him, but I'm glad he showed up that day. Sure. And, the, the, you know, kids who come from homes like yours and mine, they need that too. But if they don't get it, we supplement. Right. For a lot of the kids I serve, man, we were the most stable adults in their lives, even though we were dysfunction junction as adults <laughs> like we were a yeah. hot mess yeah but we were the most stable adults in a lot of our kids lives and so we had to love on them and expect a lot from them and when i got there there was a lot of loving but not a whole lot of expectation
You know, that's, uh, that's good advice for anybody, not just for teachers and educators, but for the parents or the, the aunts and uncles and the, right. and, the, and the cousins and brothers and sisters, you know, that, uh, you know, you, you've said it a couple of times and I don't want it to be lost in, in what's a wonderful conversation that, you know, it's the expectation. It, it really is. It Gotta comes down both. to that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I work with a lot of schools now and, you know, between the social justice movement and inequities and, you know, there's a lot of focus on building relationships, but I said that we build relationships to move learning forward. So it's got to be hand in hand. It can't be in isolation. The, the fundamental purpose of schools is to move learning forward. So everything we do should be in the service of moving learning forward. And sometimes some of us take our eye off that ball a little bit um, in the service of like really deeply empathizing with kids' backgrounds and their struggles. But what I explained to them is, in my, I'm not a researcher, I'm a practitioner. Right. And I, and I notice patterns, and I'm good at noticing patterns. If we love on them without the expectations, what we end up creating, when we, we create something that this country rails against, and that's victims. Well, you're not We kidding. create victims, and so I want to call out injustice and do something about it. There's, there's a lot of calling out, and to mm-hmm. me, not enough doing something about it. Sure. So I'll give you just a small example. You know, with, with so much of education moving to the digital realm and distance learning, you know, then the, a lot of the battle private came, you know, lots of kids without internet, lots of kids, that's somebody, what are we going to do? These kids don't have, they don't have, and they don't. I get I get it, I get sure. it. I have a principal that I'm mentoring and coaching, and she took a grant writing class one day, found that T-Mobile is looking to give away some money in the form of hotspots, and she wrote a grant, got 50 hotspots for her kids in rural Missouri. And to me, that's just a small example Boy, of, yeah, but hey, call it out and let's do something about it, right? Absolutely. Just calling out doesn't mean it's gonna appear, you know? Yeah. And um, I, just, I just don't want us to, I'm okay with calling things out. I just don't wanna to move to that realm where we're calling it out just to identify problems. Sure. And I'm a, I'm a fixer. It's, e- like, it's easy to find problems. All day. Yeah, it's really easy. All yeah. day really hard to find solutions right that's cool so i don't want to feel sorry for the kids i want us to advocate for them yeah right and work around their circumstances work above below around that's that that's my work that's what i do so typically um who do you work with or is it whom i don't know which one (laughs) (laughs) well typically it's it's i i work nationwide all over north america I've, i've worked a little bit internationally Primarily, it's it's K twelve. My my real sweet spot is elementary schools. That's where I'm most comfortable. Sure. That's that's my experience. Before COVID, the the system kind of worked like this. I would do national conferences, right? So you do a national conferences right. with twenty three hundred people there. Maybe the keynote, or yep. a workshop, keynote, whatever. and or workshop. And if ten people out of there are interested in bringing you to their school, like that would feed the rest of my calendar. Then I would do another conference, right? And that that's what happened then. Um, now I'm, I'm learning to leverage social media a little more. I'm not a social media guy, but I do it to move, you know, to move the business forward. Sure. I tell my friends I post and I get out. I don't, I don't spend a whole lot of time on it. And so that's, uh, that's how I'm generating business. And I'm, I'm working on a digital platform now to kind of, uh, I've always been interested in leveraging digitally. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's really, there's very little like completely passive income but I, I want to leverage digital, digital assets, so I, I do a lot of uh, two-minute videos, and I'm trying to figure out a platform where I can speak, because I, I love speaking, right. and I miss people. 
but I'm also not interested in being a two million miler on Delta. I'm a million miler. Right. But I don't want to go back to how much I've traveled. So I'm I'm, I'm working on those things. But I, but I work with uh, elementary schools all across North America. Uh, no certain demographic, because the the practices and principles and culture that I help schools establish, it's universal. It'll work if you work it. It's not specifically designed for urban schools or suburban schools. So I've, I've been all over. Right. And uh, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Great. You can go to my website. It's unfoldthesoul.com. Or you can email me at ken at unfoldthesoul.com. But on the website, there are uh, buttons there where if you want to contact and set up a time to talk, that would be great. And there's some, there's some resources there, some videos you can watch, get a feel for what Ken does. Uh, and, and like I said earlier, I, I enjoy watching it. I'm not even in the education <laughs> I appreciate uh, business. I, I just think you've got a lot of really solid advice for anybody. And, and if nothing else, you know, in, especially in this year, um, we all need to be uplifted a little bit. And sometimes the best way to be uplifted is to think of uplifting somebody else. Oh man, and, we're, um, we're separated. Birth, yeah, so you know, maybe we were. You're right, um, and and that's what you do. Yeah, you know, you're you're kind, and that's why you can you can have the positive appeal and and the way you just carry yourself. Everybody can tell that you know, and and you've been genuine too. I like that. I appreciate but, it, brother. But you know, really, I think that uh, you're you're bringing a lot of good to a lot of people. I appreciate and, that. And I I'm honored to know you. Thank so, you. I'm honored and as well. I, and I'm grateful you're a client. Thank I'm you, brother. Client, Thank but, you. Uh, I but appreciate more than that, service. I hope that we can continue to uh, spend some time together. And get I would love that. More. I would love if that. There's some way we can go. I will tell you this: one of the things that we've been toying with, and um, I'm probably going to, you know, probably going to say something that uh, then my my family goes, "Oh, you decided to drop that bomb today." <laughs> so, but, um, we've been toying with the idea of doing a teacher of the month, where maybe we'd give them like a hundred dollars worth of wash and fold laundry because I know most teachers oh aren't, aren't doing the dry cleaning thing so much, but just, you know, hey, I don't have to think about laundry for a couple awesome. of weeks. And I don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but uh, maybe we can have your help in, in getting the word out. Oh, I would love that. I would love and, to support um, Because I think, I think that's one of the things we'd really like to do to kind of, we, we want to give back where we can. And look, everybody's been hit by COVID. No question. Uh, our business has certainly been, but uh, I think that's one spot where we could really make a difference. And just, you know, give a little something to somebody to say, I don't know you, but I know what you do, and we appreciate it. Ah, so. I think it's a great idea, and I would love to lend my, my help and support anywhere I can. Okay, well, Ken, thanks so much for being with us today. Again, Ken Williams, unfoldthesoul.com. Uh, take a look over there, and if you are a podcast person, listen to uh, Bless His Heart podcast. I think it'll be easy to find. Uh, I think you really will enjoy that. There's some a little bit of salty stuff there. A little bit. But, uh, I- I made a commitment to read the journal as written, so uh, fair warning. Well, Ken, thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you, Glenn. I appreciate it, good brother.